Good evening, everybody. I'm Mystery Matt, and you're listening to the Mystery Matt Spotlight Podcast. Welcome to this very special edition. Coming out on Betty White's birthday, we are covering the Golden Girls this evening. Tonight, I'm joined by my lovely wife, Sarah, and my best friend, Peter. What's up? Hey. Uh, I didn't even go and grab my notes, but that's okay. I got my phone. Hopefully, it doesn't go off and go, I'm Batman. It will. But uh, we've tried to split up the cast so everybody gets to talk about one of the ladies first. Um, who wants to start? I can start if you want. Well, it looks or... like I'm probably more ready than either of you. Not really. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Then why don't we let Peter take it? Oh, God. Which one do I start with? I, I would start with Rue. We'll leave Betty for the end. Yeah, that's going to need a twist. Right there. There you go. Not really. Anyway. So, Rue what now? Rue McClanahan. Rue McClanahan. 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 Southern Belle. Yeah, she, well, that's the character that she played. Yeah. She was far from that. Right? Um, age-wise, born around the same time as the mall, as far as I can gather, in the late to uh, mid, mid to late 20s. Yeah. Um, passed away 2010, following having survived cancer, but failing a, I believe it was a brain stroke, possibly a heart attack. Um, but otherwise, in between there, great girl, had a really, really active career, um, was, uh, played with B. Arthur, and Maude, was Maude's neighbor, um, first met Betty White on the uh, Mama's show from Carol Burnett. Mama's Mama's family from Carol Burnett. Um, uh, And between that, had a very, very strong acting career in between. She, I think, is more noted, um, again, both herself and Betty White, but we'll come back to that, but she's really noted for a lot of her animal activism. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was really, really big. Sarah didn't know that. Yeah, no, she is very, very big with animal active activism, um, and a really strong, just solid actress. Never had, I don't think, a as big of a career as either B or Betty White, um, but probably about equal to Estelle as far as the size of her career. See, I would almost say Estelle went further because uh, Estelle was more recognizable. Well. When it comes to awards, right, Rue McCallaghan did win a couple Emmys for the show Golden Girls. Who who did? Rue. Oh, okay. Right. She did not win any other awards except for the one that was given by Disneyland to all four of the Golden Girls. And that is the only star that she has is actually the Disneyland star for the Golden Girls. Oh, unfortunate, but it is a good entry Yeah. by... A lot of people's standards. I yeah, say. yeah, oh, yeah. most definitely, most definitely. It, it just footnotes where she was as far as the rest yeah. of the cast. I don't like her character. Well, at some point in time, we're going to talk about the Golden Girls. But of all of the characters, she especially is one that I just really didn't like. And that's primarily because as a, she was the Golden Girl that the only way she was going to be able to save herself was through sex. And she was basically looking for the man to take care of her. Um, and I think that even 
in the 1980s when this show came out that is such an antiquated view of women. And I really think that in a lot of ways, some of these characters on this show really tended to portray, portray very prejudiced and antiquated and old attitudes of women. Yeah. Um, well, we actually watched an episode before you came over. Oh, really? Congratulations. And uh, yeah, that character just straight up whore. Well, pretty much. It's not Southern Belle. It's whore. Um, well, it's the attitude that Southern Bells were whores. Oh. And, and there is that kind of written... Uh, there's an element in the Southern Belle genre that's kind of two-faced, right? What the public sees and what the public doesn't see. And when the public was on her, she was the Southern Belle. Right? Yeah. You know? um, the neat thing about her is unlike uh, Rose or Dorothy, was that? Bay, who's, who, who did Dorothy. B play? Yeah. yeah. So Dorothy and Rose, unlike Dorothy and Rose, she's the owner. The house they live in, she owns. Oh, okay. Right? But again, like the three of them, she's financially strapped after the loss of her husband. Uh, she's also a widow. Um, and so she brings in two roommates, and that's how she has to survive. It's kind of funny when I read that. I always thought the house was owned by Estelle's character. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, but it turns out, no, it's, uh, it's, um, oh, God. Which is weird that you would have Blanche's Blanche, mom. thank you. Or, um, Dorothy's mom is, uh, is, like, move in with her when it was just her having a roommate kind of thing. Like, well, I guess well I, I'm, to, um, Dorothy's mom, I, I and I'm, whoever's doing Estelle is going to be able to answer. Oh, that's Sarah. Um, I'm trying to remember from early in the show, and I know the three girls are there in the early show, right? But it seems that she was brought in a little bit later, and and yeah, oh, so Sarah's, Sarah's going to get you. into that. But that's pretty much it for Rue, right? Yeah. Except for you know a good flour and milk, and you know stir it quickly on the stove. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I guess I'll do one of mine next since we're going to leave Betty for the end. Uh, I have Beatrice Arcather, who was originally Bernice, uh, before she was Bernice Franklin, Frank, Frankel. And she didn't like the name at the time because at the time there was a lot of men also named Bernice. So because she was a tall lady and had a low voice, she thought that Beatrice would be more distinguishable so then she changed her name to Beatrice her first husband last name Arthur uh, she ended up keeping that name even after the divorce um, lots of sicknesses lots of up and downs she was in Maud as everybody knows because she pretty much made that show that was pretty much her show um, if I'm not mistaken she was also in the Star Wars holiday special yeah, where she was a uh, bartender saying um, <laughs> goodbye, friends, or goodnight, friends, or something like that. Um, she tried a bunch of serious roles, tried to do a bunch of Broadway and stuff, and she was always kind of second fiddle. She preferred singing over acting. Um, apparently, the serious stuff that she did um, didn't really put her over, but as soon as they gave her like a punchline that she could deliver so dry the way that only Beatrice Arthur can do, um, that's really what started her career was, you know, singing is great and 
that kind of thing. And acting is okay, but comedy is where it's at for you. So she followed that path and she got married again. I'm not sure who. I'm sure it's written here, but I don't feel like reading it. Um, but yeah, I've always liked Beatrice Ar B. Arthur, you know, uh, growing up in the late 80s and 90s. And you got a lot of exposure to that, especially through the Golden Girls, which was, you know, not even when she got big. She was Mod big before would, that. Mod would have been in syndication by that time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 She, she pretty much uh, went from one to the other. Yeah. You know, and it was her decision to stop doing Mod. She wanted to end on a high note instead of jumping the shark. And apparently she had done that a couple times in her career where they were doing really good. They did that with the Golden Girls. Um, when they got to the end of it, instead of, you know, making it go on for, I think it was the eighth they, year. Yeah, the Golden they, Palace only lasts yeah. a year. Yeah. So then after that, she's like, no, we're going to go out on top. We're going to leave it like this. We're not going to wreck what we've done. Uh, just a, a quick statement about jumping the shark, which I always love to bring out because... I was watching a program about jumping the shark, literally, and they brought up the entire Happy Days situation and such yeah. about jumping the shark. Um, and what a lot of people don't realize, it was four more years before the show was canceled. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. We have a cat being sick. Okay, so back to B. Arthur after the <laughs> Thanks, kitty. Hey, kitty. Um, B. Arthur in mod and in golden girls always played the sarcastic you know the one-liner that could really put you in your place kind of um ability a lot like estelle's character um because hers were probably more you know punchful that way um fucking thing um <laughs> estelle was more mean and blunt yeah. Like, Sophia was blunt. Whereas B. Arthur's character was just blunt. She was sarcastic. Yeah, sarcastic and blunt. And always had the serious one-liners, which was great. The one thing great about B. Arthur was that, as I had told you guys outside, was that she could deliver so much without saying anything. Because her facial expressions were just on point. Yeah. And a lot of people have been interviewed and said, like, Oh, it's got to be horrible working for, like, with B. Arthur and stuff like that. You know, she sounds like a really mean person and stuff. No. No, she just had that tomboy image. She was uh, very motherly. Yes, she was a tall lady, but she wasn't a masculine lady. Um, maybe sometimes in appearance, some people would say she was kind of masculine. But, um... No, personality-wise, she was very feminine and loved singing and taking care of her children. Interesting, interesting. And some of the things I was looking up, one of the things that Betty White uh, said about B. Arthur was that she suspected that B. Arthur didn't like her. <laughs> and oh. that was because evidently B. Arthur is very um, disciplined and controlled. Yes. And... and, and Betty White is none of those things. <laughs> no, no. Betty's Betty's like a loose cannon on a pirate ship. Yeah, Betty White is actually quoted as saying something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing here, but if I would come to set happy, B. Arthur would frown. <laughs> yeah. But also, B. also had that natural built-in frown. Like, I had a, a boss that looked, or at least reminded me of B. Arthur just because they were kind of butchy. And also not gay or lesbian yet that concept actually comes up a fair bit in golden girls 
Actually, they were very cutting edge in the fact that they they showed acceptance. Their characters showed acceptance towards um, gay and lesbian characters. Um, like Bees or Dorothy's best friend from college was a lesbian, and she just lost her partner, and she came to visit, and then she her partner fell or the lady fell in love with Rose, but Rose was like, "Oh, that's not who I am. I'm sorry," but wasn't turned off by it. None of the girls, including Sophia, who was from a different era from a different time and being a massive roman catholic character none of them were turned off by it they were very supportive and it, they showed that these people the, the, these are people not just a stereotype or yeah. anything so they were very um ahead of their time in terms of what their age age would be if most people were that age they wouldn't yeah. be as accepting they were ahead of their time showing acceptance for most people even younger gender like a younger like two or three decades younger would not have shown that same consideration. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, being in mod and then going straight into the Golden Girls, B was kind of stereotyped, I feel, from that time on, kind of typecast to play pretty much just that mod-type character where they're very, you know, uh, is it down-putting? I, I don't know what the, the term is I'm looking for. Passive-aggressive? Yeah, maybe. Well, she even had a bit of that same characteristic in her character in Auntie Mame with Lucille Ball. She played kind of like a hoity-toity, snobbish, looked down upon everybody, you know, type character, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. But, and I'm pretty sure she was in that movie, now that I think about it. But, um, but I think she always kind of played that, that more serious, but yet comedic role at the same time. Yeah. And they moved all over the country, chasing different shows, sometimes his shows, sometimes her shows. But I think, I think I can't remember if it was, if it was the first or the second marriage, but um, eventually that's what, it, it must have been the first one, I think. Anyway, <laughs> um, he was more famous to begin with, and then all of a sudden she started to overtake and surpass him and i think that had a problem in the relationship most likely just uh adding a little note here about rue um one of the odd things because you're talking about marriage with uh b arthur um the name of the memoir that rue mccallahan wrote is my many husbands and the ones that got away (laughs) well i guess that played into the character pretty good (laughs) i'd say you know, <laughs> speaking from experience, she would be. And yet Blanche is not the character that she was originally uh, hired for. Uh, she was originally hired for Rose, and Rose was, a, and Betty White was originally hired for Blanche. And the director felt that they would be better doing the, doing the opposite roles. Oh. <coughs> well, there you go. So you want to do Estelle? That's, yeah. I think that's all I got for... Okay. So Estelle Getty, who played Sophia Petrillo, was born on July 25th, 1923. She was born as Estelle Scheer in New York City to Charles and Sarah, Jewish-Polish immigrants, and had a sister named Rosalind and a brother named Samuel. After high school, she worked as a secretary, which allowed her to attend auditions later in the day for for Broadway shows. Um, She was a regular on the New York theater circuit, but never gained much notoriety until 1983 at the age of 60. When she starred as Mrs. Beckoff in the Broadway production of Torch Song Trilogy. 
1947, she married Arthur uh, Arthur Gettleman and would use a combination of her childhood nickname, which was Eddie, Eddie, E-T-T-Y, and her married name to create her stage name, Getty. Together, they had two sons, Carl and Barry. In 1985, Estelle would land her first major television role as spunky Italian Sofia Petrillo on The Golden Girls, a role she would play on the show for seven years and reprise on spinoffs The Golden Palace, Empty Nest, and Nurses up to 1995. A role where she'd win an American... American Comedy Award for Funniest Supporting Female uh, in a in a television series. And in 1986, she won a Golden Globe for Best Actress and a 1988 Emmy for Outstanding Supportive Actress with multiple nominations for both. And I'm not mistaken, I think all of the actors, actresses in Golden Girls did win for their roles at one point in an Emmy. Um, in 1993, she released an exercise video for Senior Citizens and wrote a book in 1988 called If I Knew Then What I Know Now, so what? Which to me is very, very Sophia Petrillo-ish, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, she also had roles in the movies Tootsie, Mask, and the star role in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot with Sylvester Stallone. Mask? Like the mask? No, no. It was a different different one. Was it Mask like the- Just Mask. Not the mask. And I not... know, but there was a cartoon in the 80s called Mask and it was- No, no not, not it that was one. A, I said movies. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's not the same thing. Does it mean it wasn't turned into a movie? Stop or My Mom Will Shoot was like a horrible movie, though. Like, it was so Which bad. Which one? Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh. Trying to see Sylvester Stallone pull off a comedy. Who played Mama and Don't Push Mama from the Train? Oh, some oh some haggard woman. Hey, no, that's an ad. Like, she talked like that or something. Oh, like that. yeah. Okay, so, no, not the same. And she did. She had some, like, guest roles on Fantasia Island, Cagney and Lacey, and Newhart, just to name a few. <laughs> But Estelle and her husband Arthur were married for 57 years until his death in 2004. The world would lose Estelle Getty on July 22, 2008 due to dementia with Louie bodies. So DLB is a type of dementia characterized by changing changes in sleep behavior, cognition, movement, and regu- regulation of automatic bodily functions is usually in conjunction with Parkinson's. Although they never said whether or not she had Parkinson's. It's just commonly paired up with it. Um, she actually began showing signs during the filming of Golden Girls. She began to struggle with her lines and later would require cue cards. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Even so. though she was the youngest out of all of them. No, she was younger than B. She was still one of the oldest ones. So. Who was one? Wait, which one are we on now? Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty. Rue's the youngest. She was born. Oh. Yeah. So Estelle Getty was born July 25th, 1923. Uh, B. Arthur was May 13th, 1922. Betty White, obviously, January 17th, 1922. And Rue McClanahan was February 21st, 1934. Oh. She also died at the youngest age. She died at 76, Rue McClanahan. Oh. Yeah. yeah how old, my... Do you have how old B was? B was 86 when she died in 2009. And uh, Estelle was 84. And, of course, we know that when Betty White passed away. Just a couple weeks ago at age 99. 17 days ago from the time of release of this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Peter's not on mics. But so he can repeat that <laughs> later. <laughs> well, I can repeat it now. Oh, Just yeah. give me a second. Jeez. Uh, so she had a stroke Christmas Day and died six days later is what Peter had said. Yeah. So some background on the character that she played on Golden Girls, which she made infamous. 
Um, so Sophia Petrillo, she married Salvador Petrillo and had Dorothy, Glory, and Phil. She didn't really like Phil very much. A lot of the time she would make fun of her son. You know, I love my kids. Except Phil. You know, like, it was like a running joke through the entire series. It was hilarious. Um, she often, she always told stories that, picture this, 19-whatever, yeah. Sicily, right? Um, she suffered a stroke and was living at Shady Pines Nursing Home until it ch- damaged by a fire. Then she moved in with her daughter, Dorothy, and her roommates, Blanche and Rose. Sophia is very colorful. She's sassy, and she's one hell of a cook. And often told stories, like I said, back in Sicily, which were often very embellished to elicit reactions from her roommates. She was savage with her comments and to Blanche's promiscuity and Dorothy's lack of promiscuity and Rose's airheadedness. Um, That's why I love her. She was so, like, no filter. Yeah, no filter. No filter. She didn't give a shit what she said. And she was one tough broad. Like, when she came into the series in the first episode... Where she just showed up at the door, she was kind of more fragile-ish. But then when they came back, like that was the pilot. They obviously did some revamping when they went more further into the series. Yeah, she was more tougher, and and you would think, okay, they they talk about the stroke, but it's only alluded to here and there. But she she never really showed signs of it, and I know a lot of people can come back for it. But when you're like eighty something, you don't normally that well yeah but she had a a great social life she she had a lot of friends she did a lot of work in the community i think there was even one episode where she got a job at a at a shrimp shack dressed as a pirate and (laughs) that like because she just wanted her own money but she was also very well known for stealing from her daughter to go to the track or to play bingo who was it still gay no sophia petrillo oh Oh, yeah her character so she would steal from dorothy all the time and lose the money at the track, which was hilarious. Yeah. Kind of remind me of my grandmother. My grandmother was an avid gambler. Lost Not like addicted, but, but she, my grandmother herself used to go to the Fort Erie racetrack with my grandfather, make him wait outside the gate until she won enough money to get him in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that could be days. It could be. Sometimes it might have been. But yeah. So I think that's why I love, I love Sophia. So huh. yeah. She's my favorite. Uh, who's left? Betty. Just, just Betty, eh? Wow, might be a short one tonight. Oh, um, Betty White. Up. No, no, we got a lot to talk about here. We're talking about the first lady of Hollywood, the first lady of game shows, the first lady of television. Well, those are all titles that at one point in her life that she's been referred to. All right. <clears throat> yes, I am. No, unfortunately not. Right. And I think it goes back to. I'm sure she had uh, better right. relationships. Um, she she actually starts right right after high school. Uh, she's looking for television work. Can't really find television work. Lands in radio. And that's where we first hear of Betty White. She's co-hosting a show um, and uh, with Lee Parson, I believe it was, or someone of that name. Um, and it's it, the title of it is um, Hollywood Today, Hollywood and Television. And it was basically a gossip show. But the neat thing about that is that it aired six days a week for like an hour a day. Oh, wow. When the gentleman she was working with, when he leaves it after its first year, she takes over. And for the first part of her career, that is what it is. She gets from there, she's given her own radio pilot, the Betty White Show. The Betty White Show actually then moves to TV, gets canceled, and reappears again 
in the late 60s, early 70s. Now, the neat thing about the Betty White Show, the Betty White Show, it's coming out 1952 and ran till 1954 on television. So it's already been out, right? Um, <clears throat> this show um, was kind of like a... It focused on, on Betty White, but it was kind of like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Variety show. Thank you. I like variety. And one of the repeti- repeating acts that she would bring in was a gentleman, a gentleman by the name of Arthur Duncan. Arthur Duncan was a tap dancer. He also happened to be a person of color. And when the oh. show was syndicated, Betty White, because of the... Statements coming out from some of the oppressive, especially the southern states, um, coming out about having a black cast reappearing so frequently on her show, um, she was told to have him removed. This is, I'm actually looking this up because I love this quote. In response to being asked to get rid of Arthur Duncan, um, <clears throat> Betty White said, I'm sorry, live with it, quote, unquote. Nice. And that's 1952. Nice. Right? So, right from the word go, she is very much the activist. And we see a lot of activism all the way through her life. Right? From there, she has... Um, Didn't she get canceled because of it? No, no. It actually goes on for another year before she gets canceled. And it's not because of Arthur... Or it's just because of lack of ratings. Oh, what, 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 did it, what, 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 what happened is they started shuffle, uh, shuffling her time slot. Because oh, of Arthur Duncan. And eventually cool. it gets cancelled because it's going up against the sports on Sundays, evidently, a lot of the time. <clears throat> her her next uh, and her first situation comedy, right, is Life with Elizabeth. Now, the neat thing about Life with Elizabeth, and probably why she's given the title First Lady of TV, right, again, this is 1955, and not only is she starring... In life with Elizabeth, yeah. but she is its director and its producer, and she has con- total control over its content. Well, like Sarah had just said, Lucy was already on the air, and Lucy had done that too. Yeah, they actually don't meet until she's on the Mary Tyler Moore Show, which is in the sixties, oh. and they only meet because the Lucy Show, not the Lucy, Lucy show, show, and the Carol, the Mary Tyler Moore Show, are filmed on the same lot. Oh, and now, without a doubt, both of them, they became lifelong friends, very, very dear to each other throughout the rest of their life and supported each other. And the reason was, is because you are correct, Sarah, and I'm not going to disagree with them, that they were the two strongest female pioneers in the male-dominated Hollywood. Yeah. And they broke that mold, right? Oh, they didn't just break it. They became the only thing anybody was talking about because not only... Was it women breaking into the industry? But it was good stuff. Yeah, it like was. It, it wasn't just. It was you really, know. really cutting edge. Um, Life with Elizabeth got a lot of, lot of views. Yeah. Now we go on from there. We go into her theater career, and this is she kind of disappears from TV for a little while. She does some Broadway, some off Broadway. She doesn't really make it, but then she becomes the mother of game shows, the the, the first lady of game shows. And she makes constant appearances on things like What's My Line, Password. As a matter of fact, she eventually, as her second husband, um, marries, oh, what's his name? Did the first one die? 
No, her first husband and her divorce. Why? Uh, why? He wanted kids. She wanted a career. <laughs> oh, well. Rock, talk about a modern woman already. I love her. I love her. I really do. Right? Um, Doesn't Betty White have kids, though? She has two kids with, from her second husband, but no, they're not hers. They're, oh. And, and um, hang on a minute. Let's, let me get uh, Alan Ludden, right? And Alan Ludden's first wife did die. He's a widower when they get married. He dies in the late 80s, just after Golden Girls is beginning, and she never remarries, right? Uh, at one point, she says to in one of her talk shows with The Tonight Show, which she did, she did The Tonight Show a lot, she actually makes the statement that once you've had the best, you don't need the rest, right? And that's how she felt about Alan Ludlow. Yeah. So, so again, very fitting with her character of Rose and the fact that of the three... Rose is a widower, a widow, and she doesn't pine for her husband, but she has zero interest because she had the perfect relationship with her husband. Yeah. Right. And that is very well told in the story of the Golden Lines, Golden Girls. I will openly stay out loud. I have already said I'm iffy on the Golden Girls as a show, but of the characters there, Rose, in my opinion, is the most solid. Yeah. Right. Now, as, as the. Uh, first lady of game shows she now slowly is working her way back into tv this starts off with the mary tyler moore show she actually with alan ludlow her current husband and herself actually play their roles on password in the odd couple in an episode of the odd couple oh nice right so it's just these wonderful little things where she just is constantly popping up and this is bringing us into the 60s and this is actually where she begins to get involved with Rue McCallaghan. Now, she's already met Lucy. I'm pretty sure she's already met B by this point in time. But her and Rue, one of the big things that they really worked hard together, right? And Sarah, you started to bring this up. They were very, very strong voices um, for both um, for, for the gay movement um, all the way through their careers. And when the gay marriage question came up, right, they are, both of them made it right on the paper that they were fully 100% behind all of them. So we've got the Mary Tyler Moore show. We've got her activist going on now. And this, just a lot of then stand-up appearances afterwards. But, and then we end up in the Golden Girls. The Golden Girls is not her last situation comedy. Matter of fact, her last... Not even close. No, no. Well, she appears in a lot, but she's yeah. got the one major one, which she's also won Emmys for, which she's doing in the 2000s. Oh, um, what was that one? Oh. oh, hang on a minute. I'll get to it. Hot in Cleveland. Hot in Cleveland. Thank you very much. Hey, audience. Uh, <laughs> but um, so, so she's always constantly acting. She has some great appearances. She makes... Um, guest appearances on shows like uh, Criminal Mind and such on and so forth. Uh, oh, maybe that was Rue. I might be getting the two of them mixed up. No, one of them did. It wasn't Criminal Minds, but it was another... Okay, but it's another one of those cop shows, right? And she actually played a Gossam columnist that becomes a recurring character throughout one of the seasons. Things like that. So she has a lot of these background work in television, so she's always forward as a face. Yeah. Right? And one of the things that comes out about her, and that is stated by 
um, both Biden after her death and his condolences, as well as Obama while she was still alive, was that she was considered the most wholesome of the uh, Hollywood stars. That whole that, that yeah. between that, that there is never a scandal, and there just never was. Now, again, I've touched on some of her activism, and I'm going to touch on some of her awards. Pretty much, she's got them all. She's got Emmys, right? She does have a star on Hollywood. Oh, Betty, yeah. Yeah, Not Betty White does have a star. Oh, it's a bone. Okay, there we are, bones. <clears throat> so, I knew it was one of them. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah anyway. she was on her own. So, so uh and, but one of the neat things about her just recently that I really like to talk about, so shortly after Rue McCallaghan's death, and um, Hot in Cleveland has just started, and within a month of the petition starting, half a million, 500,000 people for her to guest host Saturday Night Live. And she did so at the age, at, at the age of 88, which has made her the oldest person to, Host to host a Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Live, Live show. That's awesome. Beating out the guy who, uh, the guy, not guy, the girl who won it in the contest back in the 70s who was 80. So <laughs> there you are, folks. Uh, but her biggest place of activism, and this starts right back in 54, uh, after her first dog commercial of all things, dog food commercial, is her animal activism. And she becomes known for it. It's probably the one thing that she's most known for. Um, in her private life uh, is her animal activism. And she now, she does that, not mix words with anyone who harms an animal. W- she is, would uh, you say more so than Bob Barker? Yes. Yeah? I would have to look up whether or not Bob Barker has a star at the L.A. Zoo, but she does oh. on the Gorelick Enclosure. Well, at one point, Bob Barker had a stealth boat. Well, there you go. To, Oh, yeah, the yeah, Sea Shepherd. I thought it sunk. Yeah. Oh, no, Sea Shepherd. Sea Shepherd sunk. Sea Shepherd 2 is still floating. No, no, Sea Shepherd sea is Shepherd the company. Yeah. Oh, okay. They they were, the USS um, uh, Greenpeace. Greenpeace. Greenpeace had a boat that was something shark, and it sank. It yeah. was it was sunk by a whale 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 ship. They they have replaced it with the two of the oh, same okay. name. So the the Bob Barker and the what? Steve Irwin. Greenpeace and Sea Shepherd are two different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're two different things. Oh, two, okay. two different things. It's Sea Shepherd yeah. that has Bob Barker, Steve Irwin, Bridget Bardo. Yeah. All right, but 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 and for Betty White, that was probably her biggest thing. But so she's a woman who can make us laugh, or who could make us laugh. Right. I guess still can in reruns. She's a woman that didn't see color. She's a woman who didn't see sexual difference and gender difference. She's a woman who saw animals as equal to humans. Just such an incredible person. And I know I'm sounding emotional because there are so few of those people in the world and we've lost this one, right? So it's, it's just a moment as I was reading it and, and, and studying more and more about it, I was just being, wow. This isn't you when you were like 99. This was you when you were 20. And you were 20 in the 40s. When she spoke about World War II, she described it as an insane time. Yeah. Right? And that's her only word. She was so short and so brief. 
And she could put so much meaning in small phrases. Like, was she get an over ASO it. girl? No. No? No, well, actually, she wasn't an ASO girl. Uh, she didn't go overseas. But she did entertain troops before they were left during World War II. Uh, but that's right smack in the middle of her radio career. So that would have yeah, been very exciting. I, I thought she had something to do with some of the shows anyways, whether or not it was a way you're here. But yeah, I can't. I don't know of any actor or actress that that can replace her. And there's some... When I think of the things that she... The actors that she lists friends, they go from everyone from Lucille Ball, who was lifelong. Yeah. And evidently, and I did not know this, Ryan Reynolds... Not Ryan Reynolds. Who plays Deadpool? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Okay, Ryan Reynolds. And her were close friends as well. Oh. So generational friends. Uh, she also had that Snickers commercial. Yeah. Oh, she had lots of commercials, man. Oh, she had yeah. lots of commercials, oh, yeah. especially in her later career. Um, oh, because then it became a thing, right? If Betty's there, then you know it's a good time. Uh, she became, all the way through her career, when she started, especially from the game shows forward, she was always a hot ticket item. She guaranteed a certain amount of viewership. Sure did. And ask me for Betty White, man. I'm going to cry now. I need to clean it. Somebody <laughs> help me here. Oh, thank you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, Lucy's come to comfort me. Yeah, she will. Yeah, she's here. So I, I was definitely raised in a household where <laughs> the Golden Girls were on TV all the time, and I was. What was it, 1985? So I was 5 to 12 years old when it was on. And I remember watching the episodes. I always found them funny. But as I got older and I would watch the reruns, I'd get more and more of it. But now that I've hit my 40s, my God, were these women correct in a lot of things (laughs) about turning, getting into that middle age part where your life's changing and things are, are different and you're put into different scenarios or oh, you sneeze, you pee. Like they, they made fun of these things that us women actually go through yeah. and brought it to the surface in a way that would be like, oh my gosh, I identify with these characters. And I think there's a little bit, at least in terms of a, being a woman, I find that there's a little bit of them in my personality. And I think that's why it's so hard to really pick a favorite yeah. just because I can identify with the sarcastic and the biting sassiness of Sophia I can click with Dorothy's sarcastic and kind of downtrodden passive aggressive humor I am flighty and airheaded like Rose and I find with um Blanche we do tend to embellish and and make things more passionate like we're more passionate about things whether it's about sex or or bodies or the way we look at ourselves and I think she was just a very overconfident person where a lot of us strive to have that confidence, you know, yeah. so we can identify with trying to maintain our beauty at that age. So I think there's a little bit of every woman on this planet in each of those characters. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to mention was um, when we were watching it today, I realized that in today's society where we can't laugh at each other and stuff like that, everybody's getting butt hurt over everything and nothing can be funny anymore. You can't play on things. You could not put the Golden Girls on TV today. No. You couldn't. Because the language they use, we don't use anymore. Even like that, uh, they used a Jew joke in Golden Girls in the one that we watched today. 
And I'm like, oh my God, you couldn't say half of this stuff on TV right now. And so instead of being... She was Jewish. Yeah. In real life. But the the problem is, is that instead of being able to become more liberal with our speech and, and our expressions, we've become very limited in very tailored. And I'm not saying be racist. That That's not what I'm saying. Don't be racist. But kind of poke fun at the stereotypes more so in a way where it makes them oh, i can't even explain it um you're, you're pretty much talking about the law that almost got passed in quebec did you hear about that no oh yeah there Maybe was a co- comedian uh, a comedian who was in um uh what's the show in quebec lots of laughs just just for laughs. Thank you, Sarah. Just for you. Um, and again, in his humor, right? And I'm not even sure which segment of society, but he was poking fun at a segment of society. Yeah. Um, he was actually charged. Oh. Right? Now, the from what I understand, I believe they were eventually all dropped and everything, but it could have changed the face of comedy completely yeah. in Canada. Like, I actually want to know jokes that are against the white people but the only thing that i can find is ones against like newfies or or blondes or something like that there's not ones that i guess i'm allowed to hear because i haven't heard any against white people well that's there's because, gotta be some. Well, well there is there is we are the joke <laughs> right well no and 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 there is there i agree is, with that <laughs> there is a lot of them but what it is is that they're cultural jokes yeah. whereas whereas we'll talk about Asians, and we'll talk about, you know, uh, colored people and such on and so forth with in derogatory terms. Yeah. Not that I do. I totally disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't like that at right? all. Right. But we will talk derogatory within within our own race, the Caucasian race, yeah. by pointing out that you're Italian, you're Polish, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're blonde, you're female, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You're redhead, right? Um, and all of these things are wrong. Dumb yeah. male jokes. Dumb male jokes. Dumb male jokes. Yeah. Right. I think you should be able to make fun of everything, especially yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I think you should only ever make fun of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, they're making fun of themselves. I'm kind really, of I, I got to put this out there, Sarah. I, I do. I was biting it, right? And the problem I have with it, and don't get me wrong, I agree with you. They brought up like gay, gay, gay issues and they brought up. A lot of very severe, severe issues throughout that show, and they discussed it. Yeah. But what they never discussed, and I think they really needed to, and is is the characters that they themselves were. Yeah. Right. There is no reason today why the loss of a husband or the death of a husband should make a woman destitute. Period. It is not something to laugh at. It is something that's no. really, really depressing. And it's still going on today. There are women after they lose their husband so often are in so much desperate straits and there's just no support for them out there. Yes, yeah. you still are. Because you still have that male-dominant view. And I'm so against that male-dominant view. See, right? My point of view is that you should be able to make fun of everything to bring light to it. And the best way I can describe it is 
cracking jokes at a funeral. In my family, that's what happens. We're at a funeral. We're not crying. We're all talking normally, and we're telling dirty jokes. Um, like, I'm a rare breed where, like, my joke scale is, like, off the charts. I have jokes that are really inappropriate for every type of person on the planet. Um, do I believe in any of those jokes? No. Right. Are they funny? Some of them. But, and, and I'm going to throw this back at you, right? And I'm not saying that we can't look at these things and laugh at them. Um, the bigger thing is, is that one of these shows also do, <laughs> and what Golden Girls did, in my opinion, was normalize the financial injustice and the inequality in wage between men and women. They normalized it. And that's exactly what was being meant by, by, by the phrase, the media is the message. Everything in the background, that whole situation that that show gave us, right, told us that it's okay that these women are in this state. And that's not. Actually, I'm going to interject on two things. One, you brought up the whole um, being a widow versus a widower kind of thing where women are destitute. I don't believe that at all because I have perfect examples of that. My grandmother died and my grandfather couldn't figure out life for the life of him. He couldn't even fill out a check. We always had to go. My mom or myself or my brother had to go in and fill the check and he would just sign it. Whereas my step-grandfather died and my grandmother actually ended up thriving and doing better without him. So I don't think that's necessary, necessarily um, what they're trying to portray. Um, I think what they were doing was saying you can bounce back from this. And maybe maybe Blanche wasn't that destitute as much as she was just lonely and wanted people around, you know, but wasn't going to give them a free ride because which landlord would give them a free ride? And as for looking at the wages in the whole uh, feminist movement, we don't, they were from different times. So they kind of had to have some kind of, originality into what their time as women were during their periods of being married and as well as the fact that by saying they were destitute by saying that they are not destitute but you know close to it not financially set but you know making it paycheck to paycheck they're actually pointing out the problems in a more subtle way they may not have been outright saying oh we can't afford this but maybe they're like you know what it would be, be i would be better off if i could have this roommate so i could have a little extra money so now, I think it was actually pointing out that problem. I, the, and again, I'm going to go back to the fact that it's a situation comedy, right? As a situation comedy, I create the situation. Throughout the course of the show, that situation remains solid and pretty much unchanged. So I'm not talking, I don't think it ever talks about fixing the problem. And again, I know that you brought up two particular examples that are close to you, right? Um, but I have to state, that two examples don't give me enough statistical data. But when I actually, if, I, if you actually were to pull up Wikipedia or something and look at numbers of Canadian women who after the death of their husband are destitute, I think that all of us would be really shockingly surprised that even now in 2022, it's still a problem. That's why my grandmother told me to marry rich. That's right. And I didn't. I'm still looking I for him. I got a lot of Transformers and I'm ripped in spirit. Sure. 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 Yeah, butter your bread with that. <laughs> I'm but, gonna. But look at us, right? 
No, I, like that. that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is that I, don't we, think I agree with Sarah. With Women should not be destitute out, and no one should be destitute after their death of their partner. No. But unfortunately, it happens that the, the, the statistics are skewed towards women being destitute after the loss of their partner. I'm, I'm not saying that, that that is correct. I'm saying that that is what's wrong, but that still, 40 years after this show, is still the reality. There's the problem. Oh, in Matt's defense, by the way, he doesn't pay the bills because I'm a control freak. Yay, control! And I'm <laughs> smart enough to stay the hell out of things. Although she I'm also not. spends the most on useless crap. Whatever. La, 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 la. <laughs> so welcome back. I admitted that I was a control freak on the air, so that should say something. And after I say welcome back, you can I'm sexy. Way to go. I told you I'm a control freak, so fuck off. So, I think if anything we can learn from Betty White is love everybody. Yes. Every don't le- and don't leave people out. Nobody is different than you in really any way. You still beat the same blood. You still breathe the same air. You still cry when your daughter You're is still- hurt or your son is yeah. hurt. Right? We're all aiming for that same goal. Of just trying to live a life and be happy. And there's stop saying butts, you're wrecking stuff. Go I sit do. in the corner. You're <laughs> You're gonna get a strike. I've been what, what's yeah, that rap song? I have to admit I really love <laughs> Big Butts. I like that I cannot lie. Oh, that one. <laughs> you said everybody cries when their child gets hurt. I'm like, not unless you're a sociopathic serial killer who doesn't actually have feelings. So. Hey, keep it up and I'll make you do another one. Actually, I would, I, I would think that the uh, sociopathic, uh, the, what did you call him? A sociopathic psychopath? I called sociopathic, sociopathic serial killer would cry because they've taught themselves that they should do it. Oh, well, true, that's but true it's enough. Genuine, is what I'm hey, it may not be genuine, but as long as it looks genuine. <laughs> yeah, I exhibit a lot of feelings sometimes that aren't actually See this thing here? This is a microphone. Yeah. You got to be pointed at one for us to hear you. Okay. I said not. I exhibit some feelings that come off as genuine, but I actually don't give a shit. She but really doesn't. I, I really don't. That's weird. It didn't pick me up down there. No, no, no. Or, or am I so quiet or she's yelling or I don't know what's going on. Everybody's scary. <laughs> la, 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 la. Mom, dad, <laughs> stop fighting. Uh, we're at 53 minutes. Anybody else want to say anything about the Golden Girls, maybe, for for a try? No? We're good? Yeah. It's a show that you're right. It could not be done today. But I also wouldn't want to see it done today. I don't want to see a reboot of this show. Because I like it the way it was. And I loved the characters. All of them. I didn't have a favorite. I didn't have a least favorite. I just identified with one more than the other at certain times. And sometimes it was a different one. I just, I think that they were very progressive and I think it was such a great show to have on, especially during that time. And maybe that's why I grew up not really giving a crap whether somebody was gay or straight because they didn't give a crap if somebody was gay or straight. And I didn't give a crap of whether your skin was a different color either because maybe they taught me not to give a crap that somebody's skin is different. So I think they were very progressive and I think they were iconic in terms of what they did at the time. And I would hate for that to ever be tried to be replicated in this day and age. 
We try and keep away from politics, and we keep forgetting that this was actually a comedy short show. Where no, no, it was a situation a, comedy. Well, situation comedy, which is a totally but different like thing. I, what I said to Sarah <laughs> is that every sitcom is a comedy. Not every comedy is a sitcom. That that is correct, and it's situation comedies, and that's where I sit. I'd really rather never see another situation comedy made ever. They don't usually go very good. There's a well, very few that I actually like. It, regardless of which situation comedy, the question you have to ask when you sit down and watch it is what stereotype am I supposed to be accepting and laughing at? Yeah. Yeah. And when you figure that out, you really begin not to like them. But again, so some of these situation comedies are so out there, right? Um, uh, it's uh, uh, Good Times. Good Times. There, right there. Family living on the edge of destitute, barely able to support themselves, can't feed their children, question of divorce constantly coming up, crime, living in the projects, and okay, they're a happy family, and they talk about, you know, um, ongoing trending things, and, you know, you know, the questions of race, and the questions of gayness, and the questions of this, but the bottom line that backdrop, hey, dynamite, we're still laughing at a poor family that can't feed their kids. Mm. Right? So you gotta look at what the situation is. Period. Yeah. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> I always wanted to say that. <laughs> you, you always wanted to say mic drop? Yeah, yeah. This is well, it. you break it, you buy it, bud. Ah. So remember, everybody, as I sign out, so I, these people know that I'm signing out. Opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got one. So be nice to each other. And we'll only talk to you. And oh, what do you mean only poke it once? She still wrecks the outro. Shit. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody.